Hi, and thank you for joining us for the Compass Catholic Podcast. My name is Caitlin Kano. I'm joined by my co-host, Diana Rojas, as we meet every week to explore personal finance topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. On this podcast, we explore the spiritual, emotional, and economic aspects of money. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Compass Catholic Podcast. Um, I'm really excited for today's guest, Diana. This is going to be so much fun. I'm really excited also. He's um, a super awesome guy. Um, you guys will see him soon, but it's it's going to be a definitely an interesting conversation, an interesting topic. We're talking today about um, how COVID has affected parishes in particular, and I know that that has affected different parishes very differently, but um, this one priest we're going to speak with today has, has just been Honestly, like I've seen at first hand because he's from Miami, but he's just been an all-star in, in, in battling it and combating it and just keeping his parish afloat. So I, I cannot wait to speak with him. I don't think we should wait any longer. Are you ready to just bring him on, Caitlin? Yes. I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. And Diana, if you want to introduce him. Hi, Father Vigoa. How are you? How are you, Diana? Caitlin, so great to be with you. So for those of you listening, this is Father Richard Vigoa. He is from St. Augustine, well, not from St. Augustine, Florida, from St. Augustine Parish in Miami, Florida. And um, he is, he's been there. Um, how long have you been there for now, Father Vigoa? How many years? So I've been here for a year and eight months. Wow. It feels like a lot longer. Yeah. As a priest, you're a very busy man, but especially what everything that you're doing, I know you have a lot on your plate these days. So just thank you for being here. It's been. No, kind it's of, my honor. Thank you yeah. for inviting me. So without any further ado, we can go ahead and get started. And just jumping in with uh, the tragedy that we're talking about is COVID, right? And it affects parishes all across the country. It's affected different parishes. And I just want you to be able to tell listeners a little bit about how it has affected the obvious ways and also the not so obvious ways. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of parishes have been affected with like the collections, but I'm sure there's a lot of not so obvious ways that you guys have been hit. So maybe just speak on that if you could for a second. Yeah, so COVID is a phenomenon. It's one of those things that people are talking about uh, once in a lifetime or once in a hundred year uh, mm. phenomenon. And if someone would have asked you back in March that there would be a Sunday or, or a day where there would be no Catholic masses celebrated publicly, you would say, there's no way. That's that's never going to happen, and, and in fact, it did happen. Mm. Um, our, if you will, if you remember going back to March, it was there were no masses. Everything was shut down. Everything was closed. People were in their homes. It was very strict quarantine. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, fast forward to where we are now in August, we're still living uh, the reality of what COVID has done to our lives. So we moved from total shutdown to. He, at least here in Miami, we went to opening on Pentecost Sunday, and it was to a reduced uh, amount of people, 20, 25% of our, our capacity. And um, But as you mentioned a little bit in there in your intro, COVID has, uh, has affected so many people, so many lives, not just the church, but it, it, sitting in the confessional, I could tell you how it's affected so many people. Um, everything from weddings that had to be postponed to uh, having family members in hospitals that you could not visit, 
to uh, family breakdown, to husband and wives, uh, marriages are in trouble. It's just so many different things. Where also where children are not going to school right now. They've been stuck at home since March. A lot of families are wanting to maintain that bubble. And so who is it that you associate with? Who do you expose yourself to? And the dangers of that is when you have elderly parents or you have grandparents that are, are living at home or, or you're in close contact, you want to be able to protect that bubble. And, and the church has suffered in great ways. And as you mentioned, not just financially, but what it does to the community at whole. Um, we, we, when all of this started, we went into kind of emergency mode. I, I kind mm -hmm. of circled the wagon and I, I wagons and I, I said to my team, I said, we need to figure out how we're going to stay connected with our parishioners. How can we make this work? We're going to have to go live stream tomorrow and uh, we need to stay connected. And we did that. But what happened to me was that I got covid two weeks or three weeks later. And so I was one of the first people in March uh, to get the coronavirus. Uh, I got it very bad. It was 16 days uh, where, where I was very sick. I, I had to go to the hospital for one day, a full day, but it was very scary. Um, but in a way, I, I'm kind of glad that I got it. I, I kind of got to experience what that is. And um, so... And, and what parishioners uh, experience. But going back to the parish, so what we did was um, we kind of, what I did was kind of create the team to, to say to ourselves, okay, we're going to, this, we're, this is going to be with us for a while. So how do we make, how can we be church in a different way, in a new way, the same gospel, but evangelize, evangelize in, a, in a new way. And um, so one of the things that we did right off the bat was our live streaming, which I, I think that most churches and, and uh, uh, congregations did that. Uh, we went to town halls where we would have a town hall on Wednesday night and it was a live town hall where we would. Uh, the main purpose of that at the beginning, at least, was to keep our parishioners connected and informed of what was happening at the parish because they weren't able to come on campus anymore. We had to figure out how to get these people connected and feel part of the parish. Um, so we did that. We did town halls, and we, we that evolved into uh, a series that I started that's called Bless This Kitchen. And so we're every Thursday. It started with Tuesdays and Thursdays, then it was just too much. And then we went and we evolved into just Thursdays where we invite one parishioner to come and have lunch with me and just kind of talk about their lives and who they are and and it was fascinating because I got I would get emails from people saying, you know, I sat in front of this person for years and never even knew a lot of the things that they were talking about at, at, at Bless This Kitchen. But, yeah, just to answer your question, um, the coronavirus has affected so much in all aspects of parish life uh, here at St. Augustine. And I can only imagine in every parish in, in the United States and around the world. Yeah, Father, I think it's interesting, and I correct me if I'm wrong, and this is just from my observations, you know, being, you know, a, a Catholic who's trying to get to church, and but also understanding the concerns that we all have with, with health and everything else. But 
I'm talking to friends and family all around the country and I'm noticing, and I don't know if this is anecdotal or if this is just my perception of what I'm, I'm seeing, but it seems like the parishes that are focused on being missional um, and jumped right away um, into being missional, you know, just like you did at St. Augustine and, and um, you know, jumping to make sure that you were saying keeping your parishioners connected, but also, um, you know, keeping them engaged and, and being creative and mindful about new ways to keep them engaged, like, you know, like you've done. It seems like those parishes have fared better financially than those who just kind of jumped into maintaining structures and maintaining, you know, the, way, the old way they did things. So I'm wondering, is, is there any truth to my observation? Is that something you're witnessing on a larger scale? Um, or is that just a community-based thing? I'm not quite sure. No, I think you're 100% correct. Um, the only thing that I would say is um, I, I can't really gauge it because I don't have a parochial school. And because of COVID, kids are not in school. And so that that's taken a hit. And, and a lot of parishes are trying to figure out, well, do we charge the same tuition for the kids to be sitting on home on their laptop? But to go back to your original question, I, I, I really, truly believe that you hit the nail on the head because um, I was going into my capital campaign right before COVID. I, I had all these plans that COVID hits in March and we were we were going to do our rollout in May of our capital campaign. And the whole thing was we had set stewardship and 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 a lot of things in place that we needed to do in order to start the capital campaign. The mass attendance was up. The weekly collection was up. The enthusiasm was up. The energy, the, the, the drive was there to be able to push now the capital campaign and then COVID hits. But because we had done the homework before and then when mm. COVID hits, we were able to stay connected and 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 be there for the people. I think that the people said, "No, we got to support this." And I would be on the airwaves through what you know, through text messages, through emails, through voice call. I called every single parishioner by phone uh, in the mar in the month of March. Uh, emails uh, through YouTube and our through our website. We were constant. We were bombarding them with different programs and different uh, updates just so that they felt that they, that their community was doing something. Uh, I would ask them to make sandwiches at their homes and bring them to the parish because we were helping the soup kitchen down South. So how, how did we continue? My, my whole philosophy was we need to continue with the community and people need to stay connected, but it, it's all of the work that was already done beforehand. And my philosophy is, or if you could say the secret sauce of a priest, what's the secret sauce of the priest where you have a full church and, and you have attendance and people excited for, for Christ and wanting to know more and wanting to, to, uh, to learn more and, and to be on mission? Well, for me, the secret sauce is ministry of presence. Like here at the parish, I do every single mass. I try to do all the funerals and all the weddings. Yeah, I take a day off when I can, but where else am I supposed to be? I'm supposed to be here at my mm -hmm. parish. So I, I'm doing all of the masses. And and also, so it's ministry of presence and also um, 
working on my homilies. So I, I spend a lot of time. I start on Thursdays usually to, to start on my weekend homilies. And that makes a difference. And so, as you said, there was a prep up toward, you know, when Corona hit, we were in a pretty good spot because people knew that we were working hard for them and they wanted to support that. Hmm. And our parish has done mm -hmm. well. This pa the last two weekends, we're already back to pre-corona numbers. Um, but I've been yeah. reminding them. I've been reminding them. And I think we're going to be even better off after Corona. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because um, we had such an uptake on people donating online. And I had one family tell me two weekends ago, either two or three weekends ago, saying to me, you know, we signed up, up online, but the basket comes around and we just give again anyway. So I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> but they, they, these are the people that signed on online because of the coronavirus and mm -hmm. all of those weeks when we were shut down that we, there were no public masses. Um, but I, I think that what you said is absolutely correct. I think that those parishes that are, um, are centered on mission are the ones that are going to fare better. You know, as I'm listening, it, I was really expecting to hear a lot about like numbers and, and how this has affected you financially. And, and I know that it has. I know that it's affected a lot of churches financially. But what I'm hearing you say more, Father, is that it's, it's the, 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 the loss, the hurt has been the connection with your parishioners, not right. just your parishioners, but in general. I think I hadn't thought of it that way. I hadn't thought about how the parishioners are going to be affected and then therefore right then therefore the church will be affected as well so that's a really interesting connection that you made for me right now and um i just want to affirm you especially like i first i have seen firsthand what you have done and it has been amazing it has been beyond words and um Thank i I'm, I'm not um a parishioner of saint augustine i'm a person somewhere else but i have never felt more connected to your church through everything you've done, I, I was—I think I was one of the first ones in line for the drive-through confession when that happened yeah. really quickly. Um, I had confession with you. I, I received all of those emails about everything you guys were doing. Um, so you guys did an amazing job with that. And reflecting on that, like I'm not a person at your church, and I felt very, very much connected. I felt like you guys wanted me there. Like I was—I was needed for the parish to 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 thrive and to continue doing as well as they did. So. You guys did an amazing job, so just thank you for that and, and just affirmation in that as well. Um, you yeah, put thank you. And I, I think that that one of the things that we did was, that, and we learned this from the Protestants down the street, um, is that we took our zip code where we're at mm -hmm. and we made it a point to visit every single home, Catholic or not Catholic. I mean, we'd take them pineapples, we took them goodies, we took them rosaries, we took them prayer books, we and people loved it. Even people that were not Catholic mm -hmm. loved it and said, we want to pray with you. We want to put you on our prayer list. What's going on in your life? And we went to every single house several times in our zip code. And that, I, I think that that was part of community building. It was... Uh, saying to our community, we love you, we're here, we want to pray for you. And it's a little bit about what you're saying. We wanted to make sure that everyone who came to St. Augustine, that you felt loved, you felt wanted, and that, that you were an integral part of the new evangelization. 
I definitely felt that way. hundred percent. I really did. And I took part in a lot of those things. I, I remember I was, I walked some goodies, to some people and they were like, where are you from? Like St. Augustine right there. Come visit yeah. us. So that was a really good idea, but I'm, I'm glad you brought up the new evangelization. I think that's a term that's so most people know what it is, but I was just hoping that you could speak on that a little bit. You put out this super awesome video. You showed Caitlin and I the video and we're going to, if it's okay, we're going to link it in our show notes. Yeah, I would love it. Um, and you speak about your secret sauce and you speak about the ministry of presence and you speak about the new evangelization. And I know that we're familiar with that term, but can you kind of speak on that to anyone who's maybe not familiar with what that is and kind of yeah. how you guys are doing that at your parish? Yeah, I would love to. Um, in 1977, Pope John Paul II coins that phrase new evangelization for the first time in Poland when he's visiting Poland. And then he says it again in the airport in Haiti when he's stopping mm. by to visit the Haitian nation. And he talks about the new evangelization and he begins to explain it in a sense that we need to bring to the people in the pews the gospel in a new way. The same gospel that has been read and proclaimed for 2,000 years, but it needs to be proclaimed in a new way, with ardor, with newness, with new saints, with new sayings, with new media. And, um, and so that's what I think that what we've been trying to do at St. Augustine is we were pushed into social media, we were pushed into the internet, because we couldn't have people come to mass. And so how do then you evangelize through social media? Mm. One of my heroes is Fulton Sheen. He did it in the 1950s. He won an Emmy uh, mm. for the number one TV show uh, talking about Catholicism, talking about the gospel, talking about Jesus on regular TV. There was, if you would, in the 1950s, you would go around the neighborhood and, and you would peer into people's homes. The number one show people would have on their TV during that, it would be Fulton Sheen's show. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about people that were not even Catholic were watching him. So Pope John Paul II calls him the apostle to the new evangelization because he was doing this before anybody even knew what the new evangelization was. Why? Because he was doing it on a radio show. He was doing it uh, on a TV. He was doing it through his, the way he wrote. And so it was, how do I present the gospel in a new way? The same words, the same gospel, but in a new way where it attracts someone to come closer yeah. and to want to know more about Jesus Christ. And that's what I've been trying to do here at St. Augustine through the preaching and through the music and through the different modes of uh, evangelization through media that we've been trying to do. So that's a little bit about what the new evangelization is. You guys are definitely knocking out of the park. So keep up the great work because it's definitely, I mean, yeah, you guys just do so well with it. I, there's no other words and just you guys do so well with it. Thank you. We, we have a team. We, uh, we, we, we designed a team that, uh, comes together weekly and we have our meetings and we're always constantly talking about how can we do better? What do we need to do? Hmm. Um, and, and thank God we have a team that's enthusiastic and is excited. Uh, we have one of our parishioners who owns a production company and he said, I want to do this. I want to bring all my equipment, all of my uh, production awesome. stuff and, uh, and, and just help the church 
to evangelize. And so he's part of the team. And then we've gotten a couple of the interns from the University of Miami from across the street who are on board, who are, are very good Catholics, who are young people who love the Lord and, and want to be part of this. And um, so there's momentum there. And, and as we spoke earlier, it's something that we we built upon before Corona. Yeah, We had slowly mm-hmm. been trying to um, create this environment, this community that was excited about walking in holiness and wanting to walk towards the Lord. And, and, one of the, and, and one of the things that I attribute to that is through the Blessed Sacrament Chapel that we, uh, we opened. When I first got here, the first month, that the first thing that I did was open the Blessed Sacrament Chapel so that it was, uh, we had the real presence of Jesus there being adored by parishioners. And, and now what we've been able to do, we've been blessed because the, the chapel's in a courtyard. So I'm able to open the doors and people are able to sit in their chairs under like a shade sail and still do their prayers and adore the Lord and the blessed sacrament. And I think that that's crucial in any parish. I think that when you have the Lord exposed in, in adoration, it just does amazing things for that community. And I think that that was our success and how the Lord kind of blessed us with his presence here at St. Augustine. I love that. And when I'm thinking about, I mean, hopefully, as we all pray that we're going to be returning to some kind of normalcy soon. Yeah. And, and you were saying your numbers are, are getting back to where they were before pre-COVID, which is such a blessing. Um, and I'm thinking about uh, the financial repercussions for parishes for years to come. Um, because and it's not so much the hit they took during COVID. Where I'm thinking right now is um, we have the beautiful rituals of the mass, right? And we get to do this every week, you know, God willing with Catholics from across the world and we share these beautiful rituals. And I think where sometimes we get stuck is we confuse rituals with habits. Mm. And especially when the donation plate comes around and we're thinking about generosity towards our, our parish as a habit and Catholics, we have a few different habits that we do, right? Like we may do the, um, the wallet roulette where you take out your wallet and you have a few ones and a few fives and a 20 and you're like, oh, whichever one you want, God, you know, and you throw it in there to see what happens. Or, or maybe you just have a check you have pre-written and that's the amount you've written for years and you write it on the way to church, like whatever your habit is. I'm wondering if this time of COVID and this time away from these habits will get us to see the beauty of the ritual that is the mass, including the passing of the plate and that moment to be generous with our community because our call to our call to be generous is that's a blessing in itself. God doesn't need my five bucks. He's God. Like he made the world. He doesn't need my $5. I get to give what I can afford to give because that's a blessing. So I'm wondering if this time of COVID will be kind of an awakening for Catholics to realize the ritual that is generosity rather than getting stuck in the old habits that we've had. So I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit and also talk about how parishes are going to approach um, the financial repercussions for years to come. Are, are there going to be changes we're going to see? Is there going to be a different approach to it? Um, and, and what you're seeing come from, coming from a diocese level, but also, you know, if you're seeing other anecdotes from other parishes. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, one of the things that I, I told parishioners was, and 
this is something I think that priests need to do is, is to constantly communicate what you're saying is the appreciation for the ritual. And, and I think that people really had that because being away from the Lord for so many weeks and not being able to go to Mass and not receive Jesus mm-hmm. in the Eucharist really affected a lot of people. And, um, and, and one of the things that I, I told my parishioners was, imagine we have been without Jesus for, let's, I don't remember, what, six, eight weeks without being able to have a public Mass, without you being able to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. This is something that is a great reminder that, okay, you've been away from the Lord for six, eight weeks. Now imagine being without the Lord for all eternity. This was just a small little window. We need to get our lives in order. We need to get our, our, our conscience and our souls uh, uh, in the state of grace so that w- we don't know when the Lord's going to call us. And so we need to always have that desire to want to be with the Lord for all eternity. But you're absolutely right. I, I think that how do I and I think that COVID did that. I think that for a lot of people, COVID um, allowed them to really understand that the most important thing is being there in the presence of the Lord. I can watch hmm. mass on online every single day, but there's something different that when mm-hmm. you're sitting in the, in mass and you're sitting in the pew and you're smelling the incense or you're, you're just there uh, celebrating mass with the other parishioners and you're, you're watching that moment of consecration and then you're receiving wow. the body, soul and divinity of our Lord in, in the Eucharist that's transformative. That's everything. And I think that if we can always be Catholics where we don't ever want to be without that, Hmm. I don't ever want to be away from your presence, Lord. I always want to be there at the table. I think that if the priest and and the community can kind of understand that this house of God exists for the Lord to be present among us, and we must do everything to uh, safeguarded and to protect it and to take care of it. Um, like I told my parishioners, this is not my house. This is not my, I'm here as a steward. I'm here to, to help, but the parishioners ultimately need to take care of their house of God. Now, you know, to go to your second question there, um, repercussions and what does this look like moving forward? I, I, a statement that I made earlier, you know, Thank God, within the last two weeks, we've been kind of going back to what our pre-COVID numbers were. But I think it has a lot to do with um, schools back in session now. And people kind of have that uh, sense that summer's over and we need to go back to mass. I think that that's, that's, I I don't know where the rest of the United States, but culturally in in Miami, there's kind of that mentality, summer's over. We need to come and go back to our routine. Um, and I'm seeing that. In fact, I my there's three masses that I have that are this past Sunday was over capacity, and I don't know. I have to figure out what I'm going to do because there were too many people, and and I even had one lady send me an email saying I didn't feel safe because I, I there was just too many people. Um, so I need to figure that out. But going back to your question, um, I, the problem is I we come from. Our area is uh, an affluent parish, so this is an affluent parish, and so there is that kind of um, sense that I need to to pay, to to tithe 
I need to remember my parish. I need to be able to uh, go online or I need to stop by. There was, we have a little window like a mail slot and people would still continue to, to give their contribution. What I worry about are, one, are, are parishes that have parochial schools. That's a very big mm-hmm. concern because if we don't open our schools and we have our kids attending class, parents are not going to pay that tuition to have their kids sit at home on their laptops and the lunchroom lady is the mom. So that that's going to be a very serious problem. And so what happens is a lot of our poorer parishes have parochial schools. That's a problem because how do you pay your teachers and how do you pay the, the upkeep of the school? And there's just a lot of ramifications that happen because of that. So our poorer parishes with parochial schools is what worries me if we don't get the kids back in class soon. And, and then also too is, um, if we don't have a vaccine or at least a drug or, or something that can help someone who uh, once they, they have the coronavirus or get infected with COVID-19, that they could take this or they're immune by me because of the vaccine, um, it's going to hurt these uh, poorer parishes because the attendance is down. And um, what, what I, the fear that I have is there isn't that culture of, of, uh, of giving in the sense that I, I have this expendable income or I have a little bit more income. And so I, I want to be able to give because a lot of in the poor repairs, I, I don't have that income. And so if I'm not at mass, then there maybe is not that reminder that I need to give. So those are the mm-hmm. kind of things that, re, uh, that, that, um, that scare me and worry me. But some of the ramifications going forward, I, I don't know. I, I really do think I, I, I'm a more of a positive person. I, I really do think that um, that COVID is going to just go away. I, I think that I, I think that it's going to be a little bit like SARS or one of these other. Uh, there is some talk out there that the, 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 the virus itself is mutating to a weaker form. So God willing, we continue to pray that it just just disappears from our lives and that we can kind of go back to some sense of normalcy either through a vaccine or through a drug. But I am the, of the more positive person that I, I really think that this, the, the silver lining with COVID-19 is that we, if we really truly meditated and reflected on our time is that it was a time of growth and it was a time of a pause button that the Lord allowed for us to really appreciate what we have and that we must give more and, 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 and give of ourselves more to the mission of the church and to the evangelization of, it, of her people. All of this has me really thinking, Father. So for people who aren't your parishioners, but even for yours as well, you know, it's, it's very apparent that in your parish, you're doing a lot to keep your parishioners connected and to, and to stay afloat and to not necessarily stay afloat to, to thrive and to succeed through all of this. And as you mentioned, there are a lot of parishes are not able to do that right now. So as parishioners, what, what can we do that can be most helpful to priests, to pastors, to, to someone leading a church? What can we do as the parishioners, either sitting in the pews or sitting at home if we're not going to church yet, that can be most helpful to you as, as a priest and as someone leading this community? Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. I think that... Um post-Vatican II, we need to go back to those documents and remind ourselves that we are the church and that it's it's through our baptism we are 
anointed priest, prophet, and king, and then mm. we all have this duty to proclaim the gospel and to evangelize. And it should be the role of all of us. It should be where uh, families are gathering at night and they're praying the rosary, where they're holding Bible studies, where they're doing uh, catechesis for the kids, where they're uh, more of a, a live ex lived experience of walking with smaller groups or smaller communities, even if you're trying to maintain your bubble. But who are these people that you can continue to walk with? One of the things that I've been trying to stress in my parish is that there has to be uh, this, uh, this desire for holiness. There has to be um, if we spent uh, if we spent more time on Jesus and the scriptures and and building a, a life of routine uh, of structure and discipline for the things of God, we're going to be a happier, more fulfilled people, mm -hmm. and and we need to build those types of communities. So I think that if lay if lay people can gather together and say, this is our community. How are we going to build our church community? How are we going to build, uh, have Zoom calls and Zoom meetings and create different uh, opportunities for people to stay connected? Because I've seen that in my own parish. It's been successful because the laity has really taken a charge to say, no, we need to help Father to keep this together. Um, and they're the ones that are coming up with most of the ideas of a lot of the great successes that we've had is because the lady is wanting to meet. Because one of the things that I've been telling is, is I call the ministry heads. What are you doing? Are you still meeting? Do you need me to get on a Zoom call? How um, are you? And so it's this constant um being there with the people, walking with them, but reminding them that they need to be the catalyst to get some of these people to really continue with their faith and not to be lackadaisical with their prayers and with their Bible studies and staying connected to the parish. It ha if, if it's not for the lady, it's not going to work because you can have a priest that can stand up there on the pulpit or on a, on a YouTube or even on Instagram. And if the lady is not engaged and engaging others, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And so I really believe that the engagement in the community with its lay leaders, it's what's key. Because one of the things that we're doing here at St. Augustine is the small groups and the lay leaders. And it's, it's showing fruit. It's really showing the success because people are wanting to stay engaged. Hmm. I feel like there's so many good nuggets from this conversation. Yeah, you said earlier that uh, you know if we can, if we felt the the loss of community and and Christ during this time of COVID, can you imagine an eternity? And that just, oh my gosh, that kicked me in the gut when you said that. That was yeah. beautiful. But um, yeah, and I think it's really interesting because you were saying the secret sauce of you know a successful parish here is the ministry of presence and we're seeing, you know, some churches now are doing it, parishes doing it really good. Other parishes are, are there's a learning curve. Um, but I think what's really interesting is it seems like you've just kind of figured out organically to be the kind of leader that you want to have in your parish. And when you are that kind of leader, the laity will follow. And so just seeing the other la the lady in your parish coming up with creative ways to evangelize to the fellow lady, I think is speaking to your leadership. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I remember, and if you show the video, I, I, I mentioned this in the video, but I, I remember as a little kid, because I, I grew up in Central Florida, and there was just a, there was only 
it was one Catholic church in that town and there was only one priest and he did everything because there was only one priest at the parish. So he did everything and he did all the masses, he did all the funerals, he did all the weddings and he was everywhere. And my parents would invite him to come over to our house for dinner. And so I always grew up with this very healthy image of the priesthood, this wonderful, compassionate uh, Irish man who gave his life for the Lord and who was in our parish. And I, I would always, I remember my parents who were always very involved in the parish and father would ask them for anything. They would, yes, of course, we're going to do this for you, father. But why? Because they saw father just give his whole life as an oblation, just this whole sacrifice of for the people and always wanting to be there for them. And when people see that a priest just gives his whole entire self and is always there and is always working for them, he says, this is the guy that we want to support. This is the guy that we want to we want to stand with and walk with and help him in anything that he needs. Because if the people really truly see the priest giving his whole life mm -hmm. for the parish and that he doesn't have other interests or that he has, and, and there's nothing wrong with taking a day off or, or, or having a break or uh, going out for dinner. But I really believe that if you're giving your life to Jesus Christ, it has to be totally and completely, you know, you're supposed to be with your people and to, uh, to celebrate the sacraments and um, to teach and preach. So I, I think that that's where it comes from. I think that that is the ministry of presence of where the people really say, he's giving it his all, we must do the same thing. Mm. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of the plan to renovate. Um, and I'm not saying just the physical, but renovate in the sense of music and preaching Bible studies, talks that we have. I mean, pre-COVID, uh, we were we had we had you would come here to St. Augustine, and there was always something happening. The parking lot was always full, no matter what hour of the day or evening there was, because I wanted to make sure that there was always something going on. It, it, it that what happens is that that the church doesn't. It's not just one, on Sunday where you come and fill the tank. It's something that it's constant where it's something that feels so natural and so wonderful and so welcoming that I want to go there after work. Let me stop by St. Augustine's and see what's going on. Because it then it becomes an extension of my home. It comes, becomes an extension of my family. It's somewhere where I want to be, where you swing by my office. Hey, I brought you a bag of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Are you guys doing this for, for the Wednesday? I brought it here. What are you doing? And 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 they know that my door is always open. People stop by and swing, uh, open. You know, come by and and say hello. Not anymore because of of COVID. Uh, but but that was the environment that we tried to um, to set here before before the coronavirus. And it seems like you created a, a culture of generosity of self. Right. Yeah. And. Right that is one that is contagious. You know, if anything's going to be contagious, exactly right. I'd rather be generosity, not COVID. So. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've always tried to teach uh, the people is that it has to come from a place of generosity because mm -hmm. if you can really truly thank the Lord for all that he has given you, then you will know his blessing. Mm -hmm. You will be, so thankful for those blessings. It's just like when you, in anything in life, when you receive a good, you just read a good book, somebody 
gave that to you as a reference or someone said, um, you know, this guy sells this great steak over here. You should go to that butcher shop and get, I mean, amazing. And then you go there, but it's just a sense of, wow. Yeah. And then you want to tell somebody and then you want to tell somebody else. You want to tell someone why? Because you're grateful. You're, you're, you feel the blessing of, of, of that, which you have received. And, and, and so one of the things that I've been trying to tell them is that we have to be grateful because grateful is going to only in turn for you to be living a life of fulfillment in the Lord. And when you're grateful, then you want to give. But when you start to give, you have to remember that you can never outdo God's generosity. Never. You could try, but you'll never do. So when you give, he's going to give you even more. Look, one of the guys that uh, was helping us with the production, I remember I said, this is a lot of money and time that you're giving to this parish and you're not wanting for us to pay you for anything. And I said, I, I am so grateful. And I said to him, I go, but let me tell you something, all that you're doing, you can't do outdo God's generosity. He's going to give you more than you can even today. He's so busy with work that it's just, and, and he is a living testament. He wants to give that testimony to people. Uh. That when you give just a little bit more extra to the Lord, not what's not what's left over, but really give of your heart and really say, Lord, I'm giving this to you because I believe in you and I love you. The Lord will repay you and give you and 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 just bless you in a way that you can't even understand. And I've seen it. I've seen it hundreds of times when people give generously. Mm. You know? I feel like that's a beautiful note to wrap up on. I'm hoping you'll lead us out in prayer, Father. That's Yeah, amen. And I, I just want to thank the both of you. I think you're doing something beautiful. I think that if we can learn to um, just to come closer to the Lord and to put mm -hmm. uh, not allow the noise and the distractions of the world to get in the way, we can live happier, more fulfilled lives. And with a generous heart, we will give to our communities and be there. And not just with money, but just with prayers and with support and leadership. And we will grow these beautiful communities that will bring people closer to Christ. So thank you for, for Compass and for all that you do and to, to really help people to grow closer to the Lord. So I'll just close us out with in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Good and gracious God, I give you thanks for this beautiful day, for this uh, great talk that we just had. I ask you, Lord, to bless your people. Allow us to grow more in your love every single day. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you. This Thank has been you so fun. Much, Father. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Take Enjoy care. your night. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please subscribe and share it with a friend? We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or ideas for future episode topics, you can email us at podcast at compasscatholic.org or you can give us a call at 407-878-7637. We are so happy to be on this journey with you.